return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. Thanks for being here today. What a great day it is. Hallelujah. There's a flyer too in your bulletin for Steve Sampson, so... uh, Use that as your reminder for you, but also to invite somebody else to come and uh, be blessed uh, in a couple weeks. Amen. God is good. God is good. God is good. Well, we're glad you're here. On Wednesday night, Pastor Rannon shared a great message on reaching the lost, and uh, it was just a good word, and I kind of want to... Next week, I'm going to go back to the Holy Spirit some, but I want to piggyback on that Wednesday night message uh, today, just on fishers of men. So let's go... To the book of Mark for a second. And if you're joining us on Facebook Live, we welcome you from uh, the United States or African countries or India or different places. We welcome you in the name of Jesus and glad that you could join us. We have a lot of friends from around the world, been in 13 nations, got a lot of friends. And, uh, and thank some of you pray for us, got a text this morning praying for us. Hallelujah. So thank you for that. Uh, so Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, see Simon and Andrew's brother casting a net in the sea. They were fishermen. And Jesus said, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed Jesus. So, you know, God is so good in everything he's, he does. He, of course, he's blessed your lives here, but he wants you to be a blessing to other people. Amen. And so Jesus looks, looks at uh, Simon and Andrew, Peter and Andrew, and he says, follow me. I'm going to make you to become fishers of men. Now, you've caught natural fish. Now we're going to work toward fishing for people. Amen. So we go to John 3, 16 and 17. We all know 16. He so loves the world. Amen. Which is a wonderful thing. Verse 17, though, is the piggyback to that. Very important that you take the verse with it in context because... God did not send his son in the world to condemn the world. He sent his son that the world through him might be saved. So God, God today, he's not doing bad things. He's not hurting people. He's not judging people. He's not angry at people. (laughs) You know, someone, someone wrote a book years ago, sinners in the hand of an angry God. That's all Old Testament folks. Every bit of that's Old Testament, New Testament sinners are in the hand of a loving God. He loves people. He loves people. Can you hear an amen? amen. <laughs> he loves sinners. You all should shout amen for that too. Amen? amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're not perfect. So tell him again, say, give a good shout. <laughs> you know, you want to give a good shout. He loves people. So he didn't come to condemn. He came to save people. That means in this, everybody in the world. It's not like you get so good enough. That uh, now you don't need him anymore. You'll always need Jesus to your dying breath. And when we get to heaven or we walk into heaven, it won't because of, be because of the things you've done. It'll be because of his grace. So, so the, Jesus died for the world. He died because he loved the world. Now, 1 John uh, 2 then says this. 
he says that he, uh, he was the substitute, atoning sacrifice for our sins. Uh, holds back the wrath of God that would otherwise be directed at us because of our sinful nature, our worldliness, our lifestyle. And it says, not for us alone, but for the sins of all, all the world. So Jesus died for the sins of all the world. Everybody. I like saying, the Bible is not an American book. The Bible is not a book for white people. The Bible was not written by white people. The Bible is, is a Middle Eastern book. The Bible is a book of culture. And we always have to remember this, that the Word of God trumps culture. So we all, in this room, there's probably eight or nine nations represented, and yet we all come from different places, yet it's the Word of God that we look to. We all come from different places, and yet we follow the Word of God, amen, and we follow what the Word of God says. So because of the heart of God, we carry... His heart to be a fisher of men. Jesus, this is right at the core of his heart. It's the core of what we have in the back wall. You know, the great commission is our ambition. Or his last commandment is our first priority. So we're carrying the heart of Jesus to do what? To fish for men. Now, a lot of people, sadly, you know, rather than fishers of men, they're tenders of the aquarium. <laughs> they, don't, they don't get around anybody, any other fish, just, just, just around the aquarium. And, and nothing, nothing happens. Now, quite frankly, folks, this is most of the state of the body of Christ. We got people more excited about politics, more excited about marches and all kinds of other stuff than we have about Jesus. And only Jesus can save a soul. Only Jesus can save a soul. If there's anything you want to be excited about, it should be Jesus Christ. When I was in athletics, I was an athlete at SGSU 52 years ago, 51 years ago, excuse me, I was a starting quarterback for SGSU. And so people would cheer and shout and get excited, but I never knew Jesus. Then after I came to know Jesus, I realized, wow, that was, people get so excited about a sport, but we ought to be excited about Jesus. Amen. We ought to be excited about Jesus. We should want to talk about Jesus. People say, what happened in the game last night? We should say, what happened? What happened? What's God doing in your heart? <laughs> you never want to cool down. You only want to get hotter. Turn to your neighbor and say, get hotter. <laughs> you get born again. You're excited. You get forgiven. Thank you, Jesus, for that. But you should only get hotter, not cooler. You shouldn't get so comfortable that all of a sudden, yeah, okay, yeah, oh, I know that already, Pastor. Yeah, no, I know that. No, no, you should want to do more. You should want to do more for the one who saved your soul. Amen? So I have here, you know, some fishing gear. Just a little bit. I should have Luke hauling all his stuff out of it, probably his truck and all that and so forth. And if you saw us kayaking, you saw us with our Ghanaian hats on, which I love. Gabriel, Gabriel's parents gave these to us. And so we, we walk around, you know. Most Christians can talk the talk. They know about fishing. They know about doing things. They know about that there's bait. They know that you, in, the, in the, their time, they were using nets. We can use a rod and reel. Not many of us use nets. We have tackle boxes for all everything that we need, right? 
got proper attire. I don't have a vest on, but uh, uh, I couldn't locate that in my garage. But we're all dressed for it. We look the part. You got to have, you know, if you're going to go fishing, you got to have a license, right? Yeah. Got to have a license that gives you the authority to catch fish. Right? You can't go out without a license. You've got to have a license. Turn to your neighbor and say, you've got to have a license. So you can, you can have everything that you got. You can talk the talk. You can look like it. Yeah, that's right, Pastor. Yeah, that's right. But you're not actually fishing until you go where the fish are at. And that's, that's where a lot of people are at. It's, a lot of people are living a theory. And the theories aren't good enough. You've got to do it. You have to do the Word of God, right? Yeah. Well, the theory is, you know, you go out and you fish for fish and they got bait, you know, and you catch the fish and you bring them in the boat and so forth. Incidentally, the Lord cleans them and you don't. And so, so you do all these things and you can talk about it. When was the last time that you shared Jesus with somebody around you? Now, some of you are thinking, oh, when was that? When was, I can't even think. You know, when was that? It goes, maybe goes back a while. When was the last time you shared Jesus with somebody? When was the last time that you planted that gospel seed? Not talking about church. Talking about Jesus. When was the last time you witnessed, gave a witness for Jesus Christ to somebody else? Now, talking about God, talking about Jesus. There are many gods. So you can have all the tools... You can have the equipment, you can be authorized, you can look the part. But now let's be honest. See, I, I don't know what goes on in your lives, but God does. He looks at us. See, and, and the, the real thing is we have to look inside like, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? The world around us is lost. Sinners sin. That's just what they do, right? Can't complain about that. That's what sinners do. They sin. That's why we're here yet as lights for Jesus. If you didn't have a purpose, he would save you and say, okay, come on up here. Just like that, you're done. No, the reason you're here, though, is you have a purpose. You have a purpose to be a light for Jesus Christ. You can't expect the world to be the light. They're not the light. Can't expect the world to act good. They don't act good. They're sinners. The, the God of this world is the devil. So there are many children of the devil, but there are children of God also, hallelujah, <laughs> who are here to share the good news. And folks, it is good news. It is good news, the fact that God would love us, that God would wash us and save us and deliver us. You don't know how I once was, but I'm sure thankful for the grace of God. I'm thankful for what he's done in my life. And I never want to forget it. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't forget. Don't forget what Jesus has done. So you're called to be a fisherman. You're called to be a light for Jesus. You're called that people around you would know, wow, they love Jesus. Do people around you know you love Jesus? Or are you kind of a secret card-carrying Christian? Well, yeah. Oh, yeah, praise the Lord. You love the Lord. Oh, praise the Lord, I do too. <laughs> I like, there's a coach, uh, he's kind of very outspoken and so forth, but he was on TV yesterday, and uh, uh, he was just, they're talking to him after the game, and he's going, thank you, Jesus. 
Oh, I like that. He wasn't saying, thank you, God. No, he said, thank you, Jesus. Very outspoken. Got into the press conference. Talked about being a believer in Jesus Christ. I like that. A lot of people don't like him, but, and very outspoken. But on the other hand, thank you, Lord, that he's got a witness. Just because, hey, you know, you can't say, well, I, I, don't, I might not be a good example. I might make a mistake. Well, that's why we need a Savior, right? Because, yeah, we might make a mistake. That's life. But yet, nevertheless, we keep persevering for Christ. Now, I'm not fishing. I'm not fishing in the bathtub. Let's just say this. This is like the bathtub. All right? Only you're all clean. Hallelujah. So this is like the bathtub. Not fishing in the bathtub. You have to engage the fish if you want to fish, right? Got to find water. That's right. That's right, Doc. Got to find water. Got to go out where they're at. Maybe go out when they're biting, right, Luke? Probably not noon is the best time. <laughs> but he'll be out sometimes in the middle of the night fishing. What are those walleyes you showed me last winter? Man, they fished all night on this lake, caught humongous walleyes. And was in church the next day. Didn't go to bed. God bless you for that. <laughs> you know? Now, what it means. It might mean you upset your comfort zone a little bit. You're doing something to engage the fish where they're at at that time. It isn't about you. It's about them. So you have to engage the fish. So Jesus said in Luke chapter 7, verse 34 and following, Jesus, the Son of Man, came eating and drinking. The people are saying this. They said, look, a glutton and a winebibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Now, tax collectors, we're not talking about an IRS agent. We're talking about people that were employed by the Roman government that brought great oppression upon Israel. They were hated. They were hated by everybody. And so Jesus, is, now they're saying he's a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Now, what does that last line mean? Wisdom is justified by your, by your children. It means like, wait and see the fruit. You see him out there, he's... He's with the tax collectors. He's with the sinners. But then what is the fruit? Are they changed? And the answer is yes. Where Jesus went, people got changed. People got blessed. Go to Luke chapter 15 a second. Jesus is around these notorious sinners that people knew. People didn't like. So the tax collectors and other outcasts came to listen to Jesus. The Pharisees, the teachers of the law, grumbled. This man welcomes outcasts and even eats with them. Notorious sinners. Sitting down. What is Jesus doing? He's friendly. Say friendly. <laughs> Jesus loved the sinner, but he didn't become a sinner. He didn't act like the sinner. He didn't live like the sinner. Didn't dress like the sinner. Didn't talk like the sinner. But he loved the sinner. There's a place where your smile and your countenance comes into play and you engage people. You can engage people at the, at the grocery store counter. You can engage people at work. You can engage people by how you look at them, by how you smile, 
by how you show appreciation. You're engaging the fish. So that the fish can see something. In other words, in other words, uh, we're not drawn into the sin, but we want people to be drawn to you, right? What's going to draw them to us? It's it's the fragrance of Christ. It's the smell of love. It's forgiveness and grace. It's not a look of disdain, like you got to get your life together. It's not that way at all. See, so many of the Christians, I think, have, have lost sight of who Jesus is. You know, they're Christians, and yet, and yet, have missed the message. That's why we have all kinds of things in our country. That's why we have people fighting people. That's why we have racism. That's why we have Republicans and against Democrats, and this and this and this and this. Fight, fight, fight. Churches against each other. They've all forgot who Jesus is. They've all forgotten how we're supposed to act in the world. We have a life to live that's lived out publicly. Not a private life, not a secret Christian, but a public Christian. I love Jesus Christ. Now, someone might not agree with that, but on the other hand, if they see you doing your job good, they see you how you treat other people, then it makes a big difference, right? It says something to them. About your life. Romans chapter, four, Romans chapter 2. This is the NLT. But Romans chapter 2 says. You see how wonderfully kind. Tolerant. Patient. God is with you. Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? It's the goodness of God. In other words. In other words it would say. The goodness of God leads you to repentance. It's his kindness. You know, we're not trying to scare people into the boat. <laughs> Amen. You want them to jump in the boat. Say, hey, I want what you got. Is God tolerant? Yes, he is. Is God patient? Yes, he is. Is God wonderful? Yes, he is. And it's this heart of God for people that is going to help turn people from their sin. It's going to help turn people like Hey, there's something good over there. It's going to turn people to the light. Hey, there's light. I want that light. I mean, I got saved. I got saved in a bar because I realized how dark my life was. And I began following Jesus. It's funny how the similarities, you know, most crime happens in the dark at night. They say if you put a light out in front of your house, you'll have less crime. Simply because of a street light. Put a light out in front of a church, you have less crime. You get lower insurance rates. If you got lights out, you got lower insurance rates. Why? Because people don't want to do crime in the light. They want to do it in the dark. People go to the bars, and the bar is dark. If you go to casinos, there's no windows. Everything's in the dark. God wants the devil wants to keep people in the dark. But Jesus came to give us light. I tell you what, you like light. Like here in this room, I love light. There's a church we were around and so forth. And the worship settings, you know, the worship, you know how it is. They dim all the lights, it's dark, and you're kind of thinking, oh, get around in here. I can't even see. It's all in the dark. Someone said, well, that's so people can worship. And I'm standing there looking and says, I don't see anybody worshiping here. 
Got a worship team performing and nobody's worshiping. And then the pastor got a revelation like, hey, wait a minute. We're children of the light. Let's turn the lights on. Hey, good idea. Good idea. People think, let's have it dark so they're comfortable. No, no, no. Let's have it light because we're children of the light. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, he's talking to you. <laughs> this, is how, this is how it is. We should, we should be in the light, not the darkness. Kindness can help people turn from sin. But folks, if you're not kind, you're never going to get close enough to them to even engage them. If you're not kind, if you're mean, rough, angry, sneering, you'll never even get close to people. John 8 talks about the woman caught in adultery. Pastor Randon mentioned this yesterday. <clears throat> mentioned this the other night. So Jesus is in the temple and all these people come to hear Jesus. But in the midst of that, of course, the Pharisees bring this woman who's caught. It's like a trap set up. She's caught in adultery. All right. Woman caught in adultery. And they set G this woman in the midst. OK, so a lot of people are there. A lot of people are watching. Another version says she's caught in the very act. So they catch her while she's having sex. And they drag her to the temple, where she shouldn't have been anyway, but they bring her there because do they care about the woman? No, they don't care about the woman. They just care about what they're doing. Folks, you've got to care about people. People are caught like in a, in a web. I can't get out of this web. They're stuck in places that Jesus wants to bring them liberty. He wants to set us free. Anybody? People caught in sex, sexual sins, people caught in alcoholic sins or drug sins or whatever it might be. He wants to bring liberty. So the next verse says this. He's in the very midst there. Verse 4, unfollowing. And the teacher said, this woman was caught in adultery the very act. Ah, we got her doing it. Moses said she should be stoned. What do you say? They were testing Jesus. And that they wanted something to accuse Jesus by the law, accusing from the law. And Jesus stooped down, wrote on the ground with his fingers, though he did not hear them. Go to the next verses. And so they continued asking him, hey, 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 this is what the law says. Well, let me just say something here. You're not living in the Old Testament. You're not living in the Old Testament. Don't pull me out an Old Testament verse of judgment. Don't do that. Don't pull that out to other people. Don't hold that word in their face. Don't do that. We're not there. This is what the law said, and then you see what Jesus did. Law said one thing. I always want to say this. New Testament trumps Old Testament. Grace trumps judgment. And so Jesus said, he that's without sin, let him throw the first stone. Let him do the first one. And he writes in the ground, the men heard, convicted in their conscience, because he's probably writing sins on the ground, from the eldest to the youngest, they go out. And Jesus is left alone with the woman in the midst. Now, another thing is this. When it says in John three seventeen, he didn't come to condemn the world, to save the world. He's the only one who could have condemned it. Jesus is the only one. Jesus is the only one. Uh, he that's without sin. He was the only one without sin. He's the only one who had a right to do that. 
And he didn't do that. So it says this, after this, John 10, following this. So Jesus lifts himself up. He says to the woman, where are your accusers? The accuser of the brethren is the devil. And, she, and he says, has no one condemned you? And she said, no one. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. He didn't condone the sin, but he forgave the sin. He was kind to the sinner that could bring repentance to her life so she could turn and follow him. The woman at the well is John 4. And the woman comes to Jesus, of course, and, and Jesus talks to her about living water. And then he, Jesus said, uh, talk to her about, if you knew who you were talking to, you'd give me living water. And, and Jesus, uh, the woman says, sir, give me this water. And I wouldn't thirst anymore. And Jesus said, call your husband. And the woman said, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said, you're right. You've had five husbands. And the one whom you have now is not your husband. So we know for sure she's been with six men. All right. And the woman said, sir, I perceive you're a prophet. I would guess that along the way, as Jesus is talking to the woman, he says, yeah, I know your first husband. I know what he did, blah, 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 his name. I know your second husband. I know what he did. I know his name. Third husband, da, da, da. And now the guy you're with is not your husband. How does Jesus treat people? We had a lady one time walk into my office who had five husbands. And the guy she was with was not her husband. And they came to this church and they gave their lives to Jesus. And they were shacked up together and they thought, we shouldn't be shacked up together anymore, should we? And I said, no. So they moved out. And then they got married. She had five husbands. She knew a lot of condemnation from Christians. She knew a lot of condemnation from how the world looked at her. You know, you think of the reputation. But how are you, how are you going to treat people? How are you going to treat people if someone says to you about their life and you think, Oh, no, that's terrible! <laughs> Probably not good, right? And Jesus looked at the woman, and the woman, of course, see, perceives that he's a prophet, but not condemned. It's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. She goes back to the town. She brings out the men. And the whole city begins to follow Jesus. And he stayed there two days in a Samaritan village. Sychar stayed there two days because the men said, wow, now we believe not just because you said it, but we've heard him ourselves. How is it? Luke chapter 19. How is it? Jesus comes to a guy whose name is Zacchaeus, who's. The chief of the publicans, the t tax collectors, okay? Zacchaeus. So this is, this is the, the top henchman. He's rich, probably because he filfered money off of everybody. Hated. People don't like him. And he's short. And there's a crowd, and he can't see Jesus, so he climbs up into a sycamore tree to see Jesus as Jesus was passing by. And of all things, of course, God knows your name, right? So the next verse is there, as, as Jesus comes by, he looks at him and says, Zacchaeus knows his name. Hurry up, come down, I'm going to come to your house. To the religious people, this was atrocious. But Jesus was showing grace. To a man who is hated, a man who, yeah, probably chief of sinners to that, for that matter, to some degree. And he's showing grace. What would it be like if you took somebody who was 
maybe uh, notoriously a sinner, and you said, hey, let's go have a cup of coffee. Would you invite him for a cup of coffee? Not necessarily that you have to go to their house or invite him to your house. But Jesus treated people because treated people well because he loved them. The two great commandments, remember, is love God and love people. Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Two great commandments. Pretty simple. The gospel comes down for us in the New Testament. is loving God, loving people. We can't say, though, oh, I love God, but then we're angry at people. Let me just say something now. Anger is not good. I see many angry Christians. Not good. The world should not see Christians with their jaws clenched, clenched like this. The world should not see Christians that way. Wrong witness. The witness is for Jesus Christ. He loves people. Everybody. He loves people. Years ago, we had a governor in this state who did a lot of good things. And his name was Bill Janklow. And then he ran for the House of Representatives and he won. And he was in Washington, D.C. And Bill had friends and enemies. And then one day he's driving in rural South Dakota, drives through a stop, stop sign, and he hits a motorcycle guy and kills him. And there's a trial. The guy who was the foreman of that jury used to be in this church. A lot of pressure to, to acquit him and so forth. And they convicted him of what he did. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, Dave, you need to write him a letter. Now, what are you going to write, Bill Janklow? What are you going to say? What are you going to, what are you going to put into words? It's the same letter we would write to the drunk drivers that we've ministered to and so forth. Is that, that Jesus loves you. Yeah, am I aware about the situation? Totally aware. But I wrote this letter about Jesus loving Bill. How God still has a good plan for Bill. Do you know his mama loved the Lord? His mama loved the Lord, praise God, had come to this church one time at a Women Alive conference and so forth, lived in Flandreau. I didn't get a response from Bill, but I'm so glad I wrote it. See, if I'm writing something, if you, if you write something about Jesus and his love, you don't ever have to regret that. I mean, we'd write letters to drunk drivers, and sometimes people get upset and say, What did you write that letter for? If you've got love in your heart, you don't have to worry about engaging that person. I just said, you know, I wrote that letter because I was a drunk driver. I just was never caught, but I was a drunk driver. Just as guilty as you are. And the guy just calmed down. Oh, yeah, no, I made a mistake. We found a letter, another letter the other day. We wrote to a person, drunk driver, who wrote back and said, I'm so sorry for the things I've done. Big businessman. But he had the courage to write back <laughs> and to say something. Amen? Bill Janko later passed away. and uh, But I believe God worked in his heart in a good way. We had a couple in this church years ago named Bob and Judy. And Bob and Judy had retired and so forth. They moved to North Dakota. And that's where her mother's house was. So they went up to Grafton, North Dakota. And 
Bob and Judy were never like preachers, and Judy was always kind of quiet and so forth. But Bob, Bob, they were always looking for ways to pass out tracts and stuff. And so Judy knew how to bake cookies. And so Judy would bake chocolate chip cookies, and then they had a friend from church named Juan. And Juan drove a semi. And so Judy would bake chocolate chip cookies, put them in a baggie, and put in there a tract on how much Jesus loves you. And Juan would make, go out in his truck and make deliveries and pass out all her baggies of cookies. And they were in, written up in North Dakota. Judy's here cooking, so forth, the cookies. Here's Bob at the computer because he's printing out the, the gospel messages and so forth. But she, Judy says, Judy's bakes a batch of chocolate chip cookies that will be packaged with the Bible verse distributed by Juan Garcia. She's been making cookies for the ministry every week for more than two years to plant seeds. Sometimes you think, well, I don't know what I can do. A lot of you are pretty good cooks, and if you're not a good cook, you can buy the cookies right in the store, right? (laughs) You don't even have to be a good cook. Jeannie met with a lady the other day who was from another persuasion in life, met in a coffee shop. Wasn't afraid to get together with her. She engages people online all the time who are Democrats. Let me just say something. They would never talk to Jeannie if we were like this to their face. Oh, no. But they do talk to her. And they do see something different in us than they see in the world. Or that they see in a lot of the body of Christ. If you shout at the fish... You're never going to reach the fish. Isn't that right, Luke? If you go out there, you know, hey, hey, fish, fish, banging on the boat, you're never going to reach them. Those fish are long gone. Fishing at night, the fish come to the surface, but you're, hey, hey, shout, shout, the fish go deep. Never going to reach them. Never going to catch somebody. Hey, fish, fish, fish. Forget it. No one, no one of the world is going to want to be around you. There was an athlete years ago when I was uh, we re- recruited at the same time. This guy was from another state, big guy, good football player, offensive lineman, offensive tackle. And when we were done, I finished football early because of injuries, <laughs> couldn't play. But he was drafted by the Green Bay Packers, high draft pick by the Green Bay Packers. Played two years for the Green Bay Packers, two years for the Detroit Lions. And... Uh, before he left campus, he didn't finish his degree at the time. This guy would always, he had a big mouth. He's a bully. And he was big. I was much smaller. <laughs> always a bully. Being a crowd and badger you and so forth. Hey, preacher, man. Hey, preacher. And I never preached to anybody. Just, my life just changed. <laughs> just changed. Hallelujah. Light was shining. So one day before he left college, the spring of that year, student union and I got a tray, and I saw him sitting there, and I thought, went over, and I sat down, all alone now. And I said to the guy, I said, Lynn, you can go to, to Green Bay. You can be the big man. You got the big money. Didn't say you have the big mouth, but he did. <laughs> I said, but until you know Jesus, you'll never be happy. Until you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you know good and well what happened in my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dave, yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew that. I knew. All of a sudden now he's by himself. 
He's just like this, listening. I met that guy years later. Years later at a football reunion. I got another one this next Saturday. Being Club 71 with a whole bunch of people that don't know Jesus. Years later, I go up and talk to him and said, Hey, hey, Lynn, remember me? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Instantly, he's just nervous. Of course, he's even had drinks. He's still nervous. Like he's on a hot plate. And I said, I'm still serving Jesus. Still following Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's good, Dave. That's good, Dave. I, I heard about that. I'll probably see him again this next Saturday. What's important to know is you've got to love people. One of the guys that organizes this, who doesn't go to church, doesn't live for God, drinks way too much. And he calls me up and he said, Dave, when I die, you know me, Dave, I don't go to church. When I die, will you do my funeral? I'm planning my funeral. Never married. Planning my funeral, so on and so forth. And I said, yeah, I can do your funeral. But listen, said his name. I said, it's not about a church. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. Silence on the phone. About a relationship, living for him. That's what it's all about. All you have to do is call out to him, live for him. I'll see him again on Saturday. When they dismantled the old stadium and they took off all the board, the, the Boards for the, the stands and so forth like that, that people sat on. He took a bunch of boards and he took them to a, a place in Watertown where he lived. And he had them neatly cut up. And then he had the guy stencil on each board and he hooked them all together. You'd have to see it's in my office at home now. But in it, it's, it's a, forms a cross and it's the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. And there was an alumni gathering in Club 71. And so the game is over. And they all in the corner, Dave, Dave, we, got, we have something for you. Of course, now all these people are half snockered. And, and they're standing there and he gets it out of a bag and he holds it up. It's the cross all woven together in these things with the Lord's Prayer. And I said, it's the Lord's Prayer. Thank you. And I'm holding up the cross. And they're all like... Yeah. You don't want to shout at the fish. You want to reach the fish. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't shout. <laughs> Let's do this. Thing. Luke, you can help me out a second. Here. Pass these out. Oh, give, give a stack this way and a stack this way. Here, you can help me out here a second. And then pass some to them. Pass them around. Now, all this is is a seed. And every seed that we pass out is positive. It's all positive. Now, years ago, we pa- I passed out over 70,000 gospel tracts. In this town, every, every town in Brookings County, downtown streets, bars, and so forth. One day I got a call from a businessman downtown and he said, hey, Dave, he said, we got this tract and it was, and it was all negative. You're going to hell and this and that, condemning churches and all the things like that. And he said, do you know anything about that? And I said, flip it over. What's in the back? Because everything we pass out, we stamp. 
And he flipped it over and he said, no. I said, listen, we don't do that. And he says, I know you don't. Now, this is a guy who's lost. All right? He's lost. But he knew, he knew right away, Dave would never do that. He's not condemning people. He's offering life. We pass out things that bring life. Jesus cares for you. God loves you. He's got a good plan for your life. Might have a sinner's prayer. That's good. A prayer of life. But this owner knew right away. No, that isn't from him. That's for sure. Paul said, I do, I'm all things to all people that I might gain some, that I might win some. We're trying to win people, right? We're trying to get close enough to engage people. We're close enough to engage them. Yeah, I'll be at the reunion drinking my Diet Coke. But in the same time, engaging people. People are dying all the time, folks. The guy who started as a quarterback with me died this last week. 70 years old, died driving his bike in the Black Hills and dropped over. People are dying all the time. They need to know Jesus. Amen? Or at least they need to hear Jesus. At least they need to have the opportunity. To have a gospel tract is just simple. Hey, here's something good. God loves you. Good message. Jesus loves people. Let me just close this. John 4, 35. Let me just close this. Jesus said, and this is again from the women of the well story. But Jesus said, don't say there are four months, then the harvest. Don't put it out there. Live today. Amen. Say today. Lift up your eyes. Look at the fields. They're white already for harvest. Now listen. I'd love people. I'd smile at everybody. Put a smile on your face. Saying, smile, smile, smile. Look at someone. Smile. Some of you, hard time. Smile. I'm serious here. Smile, smile, smile. You know, when we take pictures, it's always funny. We take pictures overseas and we're with people we're celebrating, maybe after a service or something like that. And we all get together and we take the picture. And I said, look at a second. And so Jeannie and I are smiling. Everybody else is. Get sober. And I said, no, 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 don't get sober. Smile for the picture. Because they're sober in the picture. I said, now you got to smile. Turn to your neighbor and say, you got a good smile. I tell you what, you got a good smile. If you're concerned about it, brush your teeth. But otherwise, you got a good smile. You got a good smile. Smiles are good. You don't see people smiling. Isn't that right? Remember walking in the international airport. Jeannie and I are walking in the international airport. And we're just pulling a bag and walking. You know, not fast. <clears throat> had time to catch a flight. And we had this guy come up. I mean, uncomfortably close. And I said, "Yeah, do you need something?" <laughs> and the guy turned around. And he said, "Wow." He says, "I don't see people holding hands much anymore." So I've been following you from one gate. I've been following you. And I said, "Yeah, well, we hold hands." <laughs> You know, and he says, that's really good. And he was a believer and he is doing things for marriages and stuff. But he was like, it just was a profound statement to him that people would hold hands. It was a witness. Turn to your neighbor, say you're a witness. Turn to him again, say smile. Now, when you leave here, you should smile in here. Bring the smile out there. If you go to eat, bring the smile where you're at. Amen? Amen. You will will influence people. You are not going to scare the fish away. You'll draw them. Why are you so happy? 
Why are you so happy? All right, Father, thank you that you're working by your spirit. Thank you for touching people here. Thank you for using us for your glory. Thank you, Lord, that everything we do for you is good. And uh, Lord, I thank you for uh, our smiles. I thank you for love. I thank you for using us to engage people, get close enough to people to engage them. Thank you, Lord, your kindness brings deliverance. Hallelujah. And Lord, we give you praise today. We give you praise today for the victory that you have won and for using us in this dark world as your lights. I thank you for anointing everybody here, people listening to us online as well. I thank you for anointing them with the Holy Ghost. And I thank you, Lord, for the great things you're doing. In Jesus' name I pray. Can you say amen? Amen. 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 Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylife@brookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., Also, Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.